1: It was a slightly extraordinary scene, actually, in the coroner's court, which is sort of round the back of the a, a court building, sort of slightly unloved place in the centre of Birmingham.
0: That's The Guardian's social affairs correspondent, Robert Booth. He recently spent time in the Midlands after receiving alarming news about a dangerous drug making its way into the illegal drug supply.
1: I went to Birmingham because I'd been alerted to the problem with nitazines causing fatalities among drug users and Birmingham seemed to be a hotspot.
0: Nitazines are a class of synthetic opioids that are becoming increasingly present in the UK. In Birmingham, coroners had begun to notice it cropping up in the toxicology reports of heroin users who had died.
1: There was a spate of deaths, around 30 deaths in, in sort of June-July in Birmingham. And so I went to try and find out really uh, who these people were and the circumstances of their deaths
0: at the coroner's court robert sat alone in a large room hearing the stories of people who had died in incidents related to nitizines including clive cooper who was 38 and 42 year old maria green
1: both clive and maria had died in the same hostel on the same night in different rooms Long term drug users with problems, but they got caught up in what seemed to be a kind of bad batch of what they thought was heroin. It wasn't just them who died in that few days in that area, there were other people up the road as well. It felt like something had gone on with the supply that day and that there were nitazines in the drugs that they didn't know about.
0: The names kept coming
1: dealt yeah, with seven cases over a two-day period. There was a man called Stephen Harrop, who was 36. The ages are quite interesting here. People in the primes of their lives. Another man called Michael Idles, 53. Armstrong To Bray, only 27. James Simons, 38. And someone called Wayne Pennell as well. So you started to get a picture of a community that was being, well, a city that was being devastated by this drug.
0: In America, the opioid crisis has been driving the rise in potent synthetic drugs to record levels. But now they're beginning to be seen across the UK too. So why is this? And what else could be coming our way? From The Guardian, I'm Madeleine Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. So what exactly are nitazines? Here's Robert Booth again.
1: Nitazines are synthetic opioids which were developed in the 1950s by chemists, but they were never, I don't think, licensed for use. And what seems to have been happening, or certainly what some of the international drug experts think has been happening, is that illicit chemists have been going back to the recipes if you like, for these drugs, the chemical formula that are available, and trying to recreate them. We know that they are many, many times stronger than heroin. I think around can be around 100 times stronger than heroin, and several times more strong than fentanyl, which itself is stronger than heroin. And we're hearing a lot about fentanyl at the moment. Um, very small amounts can create a severe reaction, and so they are... You know, incredibly dangerous because people don't know that they're taking them.
0: And so, as you said, these drugs were first developed in the 1950s. So why are people going back to these recipes? Why are they becoming a problem again now?
1: A couple of things that have been reported. One is that some of the drugs are coming from China. The biggest opioid producer has been Afghanistan. And there has been, you know, a big shift in uh, the politics of Afghanistan as a result of the return of the Taliban. They have basically banned poppy farming. And so in 2022, Afghanistan was producing over 6,000 tons of raw heroin. But by the end of 2023, they were only producing 330 odd tons of heroin, a huge drop that pushed the price right up. But it may be, I don't know, I'm speculating here, but it may be that we're starting to see, you know, a kind of competition drug starting to filter through because people knew what was going to happen if the Taliban banned the poppy farming. And,
2: and nitazines
1: may be part of that strategy.
2: The first nitazines were detected in the UK in the back of a taxi, a white powder, found in April 2021. And they are the new killer narcotic on the streets of Britain.
0: And so now nitrogenes are making their way into the illegal drug supply. You saw in Birmingham what happens when they are in a batch, what, what kind of impact that can have. Do we know about that impact across the UK?
1: We know that there have been fatalities in London, fatalities in Bristol. There have been warnings, public health warnings about it in the northeast of England. And the National Crime Agency, which kind of keeps tabs on this, told us last month that there had been 65 people who died from taking nitazines in the six months to January. So running at a rate of 120 odd a year across the UK, which in and of itself seems a kind of extraordinary number. There are drug deaths, there are regularly drug deaths. So for example, in Birmingham, the director of public health there was telling me that, you know, they routinely have kind of a handful of drug deaths each month, but it was well over double the amount that they were getting as a result of, of the nitazines.
0: And that jump in numbers is quite shocking, really. But this danger isn't limited to drugs being bought on the street, is it? Because last month, you also wrote about people who were buying illicit prescription drugs online, who were also increasingly at risk from unknowingly taking these extraordinarily powerful drugs so how big is this problem
1: well that's right so what we've been talking about is essentially people buying powders so what they thought was powdered heroin to smoke or inject but the nitazines are also showing up in tablets that uh, people can buy on the dark web quite easily for a couple of pounds each the diazepam tablets valium essentially um there was a case in 2020 um very sad case of a a young man called uh, will melbourne who was an autistic teenager in cheshire he'd taken a little blue pill that he thought was oxycodone but actually contained nitazine he died and afterwards his mum said you know this wasn't someone trying to get high this wasn't kind of someone taking a party drug this was someone trying to manage their own symptoms which is what a lot of people are using these drugs for
0: top of this problem there are also other synthetic drugs that are now being detected in online purchases and one of them is the tranquilizer xylazine so what do we know about that
1: it was the the sort of rise of xylazine in america that got me interested in this in the first place and it is it is showing up A little bit in the UK. It gets detected now and again when people send drugs to be tested at some of the drug testing centres like Wedinos in Wales, where if you're a user or a dealer, you can send a sample of the drug and they will not just tell you what is actually in it, but they will also tell the rest of the world because they'll post those results on the internet. So you can get a sense of kind of you know what's showing up in these drugs interesting actually when you when you look at these testing results, the amount of different substances that are showing up in in drugs the caffeines, the paracetamols, the bicarbonates or you know the, it, these drugs are being packed with other chemicals all the time but also you know these kind of
2: alternative drugs are starting to slip in so i'm joseph d'arazio i'm a medical toxicologist addiction medicine specialist at cooper university hospital in camden new jersey which is just across the river from philadelphia philadelphia has become sort of the epicenter of the crisis especially with xylazine as it has entered our supply.
0: So nitazines are very potent synthetic opioids. But what's this other drug, xylazine?
2: This drug is a veterinary anesthetic, so it's used to put an animal to sleep to do a procedure. And Now we're seeing it more than you know, 90% of the bags of opioids, so the heroin or fentanyl we have in our community has xylazine in it. So People are using it, whether they like it or not. Uh, you can't really can't avoid it at this point in time. It is always found with the fentanyl in our community.
0: And so what happens when you take it? Perhaps you could talk me through some of the side effects it has.
2: You know, like I said, this is a veterinary anesthetic, so it's sort of intended to put an animal to sleep, and it does the same thing in humans. You take enough of it, or are exposed to enough of xylazine, and it puts you to sleep just like a benzodiazepine would. Now, when you're mixing it with an opioid, um, it sort of compounds the problem. You know, certainly opioids are sedating in nature. The major significant side effect that that causes overdose death with opioids is that it slows down your breathing. And so now you have a person who uh, has decreased respiratory rate and they're very sleepy and it sort of puts in a bad situation.
0: The Drug Enforcement Administration, or the DEA, has seized fentanyl mixed with xylazine in all but two states, with the South reporting the greatest increase of overdose deaths involving xylazine. I've also seen really horrifying pictures and films of people who get these terrible wounds. Tell me about that.
2: We've seen a lot of wounds associated with xylazine use, and it typically happens with injection drug use and at the site where people are injecting at. Now, we certainly hear lots of reports that people are developing wounds that are not injecting or they're happening at areas that they're not injecting at. Is it the cytotoxic effect of the drug? Is it a vascular issue? Is it because they've been injecting more frequently because they're experiencing withdrawal Or maybe they've been unconscious for periods of time and sort of compressed that area. But I think none of these hypotheses really fully explain what we're seeing clinically. And so there are lots of questions that remain. And certainly more research is needed to look into the mechanism of how these wounds are developing.
0: And are people getting addicted to xylazine in addition to the opioid addiction that they might be suffering?
2: We don't have the data that says that xylazine causes dependence. I certainly hear a lot from my patients that say, when I stop using, I feel a new type of withdrawal symptom. Part of the problem, though, is what a lot of people are describing as their symptoms of xylazine withdrawal has has their overlapping symptoms with opioid withdrawal. Uh, But certainly, the population really feels like Healthcare workers or you know, medicine doesn't have a good answer to treat xylazine withdrawal. And so the population oftentimes avoids coming to medical care or to detox because they feel like they can't manage the xylazine withdrawal symptoms. And then combat that with the added wounds that you know most inpatient drug rehabs cannot manage. There are significant barriers for patients to get into recovery through inpatient rehab.
0: And actually, last year, you produced a study calling for greater education about xylazine and its impact. So what would you like to see happen next?
2: There needs to be research dedicated to this, to looking into, does this have some effect in overdose data? Is there a dependence that comes along with this? Is there really a withdrawal from xylazine that patients experience? How do we treat it? How do we treat overdose? How do we treat wounds associated with this drug? Another thing that sort of has popped up with this is we recognize xylazine is in the supply, but how did we recognize it? Um, And we really have an inadequate toxico-surveillance system looking for the new drugs that come into our drug supply.
0: Robert, The US clearly has a very different context. They've had an ongoing opioid crisis, which has meant demand for synthetic alternatives is much, much higher than it is in the UK. But things like nitazines and xylazine are dangerous, even in small amounts. So how worried are the authorities here?
1: The strength and the risk that is associated with these drugs means that we really do have to be very cautious about it and there needs to be action. I mean, directors of public health who work in local authorities in the UK, you know, are concerned about this. Doctors in the Faculty of Public Health have, have said that action needs to be taken. And the police are clearly concerned about the, um, you know, the prevalence of these drugs coming in through criminal networks. And I do think that as a as pure heroin supply winds down from Afghanistan, it's just logical, isn't it, that there's going to be more demand for alternatives.
0: And in Birmingham, you know, after speaking to people and seeing the aftermath of what happens when these very powerful drugs make it into the illicit supply, how do you see this playing out?
1: I mean, there's a growing awareness among the drug using communities about the risks of these drugs. And so for people who are buying their drugs in a more controlled way, if I can say, that they're planning it longer term, they may be wealthier, they may be buying in larger quantities, they are able to kind of do some due diligence. For street users and people who are living chaotic and strained lives in hostels, they don't have that privilege. The hostel where Clive and Maria died, you know, they don't have facilities for testing this stuff. In the case of Maria, who was someone who had long-term drug and mental health problems there was a really poignant detail which was that it turned out that on the day that she died she'd actually referred herself to a drug help charity so she was in the process of thinking i've got to get out of this and then the nitazines came and that was it for her it strikes me that you know some of the most vulnerable people in society are threatened by this and it's probably those people that are going to bear the brunt of it
0: Thanks to Dr. Joseph D'Arazio and to Robert Booth. And you can find all of his reporting on this story at theguardian.com. And that's it for today. This episode was produced by Holly Fisher. It was sound designed by Joel Cox. And the executive producer is Ellie Beery. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then.